The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN. Then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. We're also brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today yes sir we are back with another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. No me, no the voice, no the guy. It's me, really real, villain real, so from Virginia here at your service. And I guess Houston should have prayed harder because Big Vic is not going to be a Houston Rocket. He's not going to be a Portland Blazer. Oh, it hurts my heart. But he's not going to be a Charlotte Hornet either. Big Vic is going to the San Antonio Spurs. And was it really ever in doubt? I think not. Because if you ever, ever want to know if the league was rigged, look no further. First of all, you should have known when the year after the Pelicans traded AD and had a 6% chance to win the lottery and won the lottery the year. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't sure if that was me who needed to reboot or if Terrell lagged out, but either way, uh, Terrell was about to go on a massive rant involving the league potentially being rigged for San Antonio, or at least rigged in general. Uh, just to make sure, by the way, Terrell's not here for any of you, right? You don't see Terrell either? I want to make sure that I, I ended up refreshing just in case. I thought it was me. But anyway, just to briefly touch upon the draft lottery, I have to at least point out that all of us ended up wanting to actually see, uh, well, we each had money on San Antonio to get Wimbanyama. So not totally shocked that he ended up going there. Uh, I was waiting to hear some report after the fact of Wimbanyama having a Tony Parker jersey or poster or something in his room growing up because, of course, he's from France. And then next thing you know, Tony Parker, after the number one pick is announced, states publicly Here's a photo that I have of Wembenyama when he was like 10 years old. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. So not totally shocked that the Spurs ended up getting Wembenyama. I'm not going to compare it exactly to the Blackhawks getting Bedard in hockey. If you know what I'm talking about, then you know. But I do agree that the – I'd say it's definitely interesting that two well-known franchises in the middle of hard times suddenly got the savior – on their respective teams, which I feel like is definitely more than a coincidence. But then again, I don't really like to fully dig into the rigged aspect of it, because to be honest, if it was rigged, then maybe the Knicks would have won a draft lottery in the last 20 years. But when Benyama going to San Antonio, I think it's safe to say that he's going to be the number one pick. He's around minus 10,000. So nothing's really going to change there. I do think it's worth mentioning, though, that Charlotte being the runner-up is actually not the end of the world for them because I do think of the fact that I really like Scoot Henderson. I think he's going to be a really good pro. So Charlotte getting into the second spot is still a decent consolation prize of getting Scoot. You could argue if you also like Brandon Miller, then maybe getting the third pick isn't that bad either. 
I'm not the biggest Brandon Miller guy. I think he's fine. I know that he came with a bit of baggage there at Alabama, but I do have to point out, besides the fact that he was underwhelming in the NCAA tournament, Miller's still a very talented player. I just think Scoot's the second-best player, and Wimbenyam was the best. So Charlotte potentially getting Scoot is definitely interesting because maybe they'll trade Rozier. Maybe they're going to look for some roster moves to kind of fit whatever they want to do. But I do think Charlotte was also a winner last night. Uh, the biggest loser is Detroit. I mean, Detroit has a bottom three record in the league, and they finished with the fifth pick. So that's definitely the worst-case scenario for Detroit. And I really have to do more deep diving on how good the actual draft class is. Of course, Wemby is going to be the main person people talk about. I really like Scoot as well. But besides those two guys, Brandon Miller I know has been hyped up. There are a couple of other twins, I believe, or brothers who are hyped up as well. You never really know nowadays because a lot of the people entering the draft are going to be 18 or 19 years old. They still have a long way to grow, both mentally and physically, because you can still have some growth spurts like a Giannis situation. But I do wonder how the draft is going to shape out. Draft the last couple of years have been pretty good in terms of depth, so we'll see if it really matters long term. But San Antonio, obviously the biggest winner of the night, getting Wimbenyama. And Charlotte, I do think, has a pretty good consolation prize of getting Scoot. And as for the other teams, we'll see Portland's front office basically stated they're going to try to build around Dame still, try to make some trades, and try to stay relevant. In hindsight, I think it might be the worst thing you can possibly do because I don't think this team's close to competing for anything. So keeping Dame and trying to rebuild again by remaining competitive, I think is going to accomplish more harm than good. But still, biggest winner, obviously, San Antonio. I do think Scoot would be very fun in Charlotte, though. So I am kind of intrigued by that pairing. What do you think? You like Scoot going to Charlotte? Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, I think that that would be fun with him and LaMelo and seeing things and how things could go. But I think that they'd be good with Brandon Miller as well. I know there's been some Brandon Miller talk recently, and uh, especially from um, – Clifford, who said that they're not necessarily looking for talent-based and more position-based this time around. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do. But I think that Charlotte made it out in a good spot with number two overall pick. Uh, I think Scoot and Portland would be a match made in heaven, honestly. Yeah. I I, I don't think he's going to fall to three personally, but we'll see. Like I said, I, I thought that it was locked up Scoot at two, but Clifford talking, the little bit of talk that he's had, I still don't think that they fold on Scoot, but there's been they've been trying to talk down on man Scoot ever since the end of the uh, G League season. So uh, we'll see what happens, but I think he's personally good at two there. Charlotte's not going Charlotte's gonna take opportunity to get a guy of his charisma, his talent, and everything. Pair him with LaMelo, get Terry Rozier out of there. It's all good. Uh so, by, I by the way, just, you... just so you know, uh, just something that's kind of funny. As you were about to get into your NBA's rigged uh, speech before you got lagged out, maybe the NBA's listening and they didn't want you to actually reveal all their secrets. Yeah. I thought I lagged out. So I refreshed while you were lagging out, and we had nobody on the air for like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came oh, back. Oh, wow. Because I but, definitely, I tried to refresh thinking, oh, maybe, uh, yeah. So I had the is. bad Wi-Fi symbol too. So I thought it was me. And I'm like, all right, let me refresh this. And I come back and nobody's there. And then I'm like, oh, my bad. So, yeah, I ended up filling the void for a minute or two. But I don't know if you want to continue your NBA's rig stance. I kind of finish it off for you a little bit. Yeah, I didn't have the extra 
on and we can talk about this well i was gonna say though quick victory lap for us because all three of us on the show did have spurs to get the first overall pick at around six to one or 550 so if you tailed that then congrats yep very much so all i have to say is uh one two three the houston rockets have had three straight losing seasons the charlotte hornets have had six of the past seven losing seasons and the one losing season that the Mm -hmm. san antonio spurs get they get the number one pick that's all i have to say look here people what i really do have to talk to you about is the newest sponsor of the sports gambling podcast network and the nba gambling podcast and that is edge boost because we have an exclusive early access partnership with edge boost the world's first bet now pay later visa card similar to you know other buy now pay later stuff like a firm after pay Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Pay back the advance over four equal weekly installments. That is right, 0% interest. Look, I can use my Edge Boost double down play of the day and go bet the Lakers in game two. I've already done it. I've already done it. We, We cashed. It depends on where you got the line. You either pushed or you cashed. I don't. I didn't see a lot of people with minus five and a half. I'm not gonna lie, but you either pushed or you cash because I had Lakers. So, Edge Boost Play of the Day. Go do that. Simply deposit your funds into your Edge Boost account, and it will match your deposit. And you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site. They offer up to $2,500 in advances as you rebuild a payment history. With this special offer, the first 500 SGPN users will start with a $1,000 advance limit, and the next 2,500 users will start with a $500 limit. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. must be 21 or older. Only valid in legal gambling states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, really quick, let's go through last night. Uh, One thought each. We had the Western Conference Finals game one where Denver did get the win, 132 to 126. Uh, Some late game heroics there to make sure that the Lakers got this cover at the very least. I think the line ended up closing at plus seven for, uh, for the Lakers. And so... Total over, never in doubt. You had a hundred and two hundred and fifty-eight points scored in that game. Jokic had an amazing first half, one of the best first halves of basketball I've seen in a playoff game. And Anthony Davis also finished with forty points by the time it was all said and done. I will say that I think that Dennis Schroeder because I don't think it'll be D'Angelo Russell. It's either going to be Schroeder or Reeves, and I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be Schroeder. But he's pretty much just played himself back onto the bench for this series. And I think that it's not necessarily a bad thing because he adds another level of scoring that they could use off the bench. Rui Hachimura had a good game last night, but they really need to put Vanderbilt in that lineup to try to get something going defensively. Like no matter how good the Lakers played in that first half. And if you looked at it, they actually had a pretty good first half. Denver was like perfect. (laughs) It was like, there was nothing that was going wrong for them at all. They were getting turnovers and and creating off turnover. They were getting offensive rebounds. And the, the one time they missed a shot, they make the next one on offensive rebounds. So it was like, 
if you finally got a miss, it wasn't like they weren't coming out of the possession with points because they were probably offensive rebounding. So uh, Vanderbilt's probably going to have a little bit more to say in game two, I would think, I would hope, because Anthony Davis, as a man who has ducked center smoke all his life, got smoked by a center last night. So uh, that that's really it for me. I'm just looking for the defensive adjustments on both sides of the ball. If you're Denver, there's no way you're happy about how you played last night. <laughs> like You may be happy on the offensive end, but there's no way you're happy about what you did defensively last night. And if you don't make some changes, the efficiency that they had is going to fall off at some point. So uh, I, I think both of these two teams, which sets up beautiful for the game two under that we love following. So those are my thoughts. What do you have uh, for last night? Well, you mentioned potentially Vanderbilt getting more run moving forward. I don't necessarily agree with that because he's so offensively limited that it kind of gives Jokic or at least Denver an excuse to potentially play five on four defensively because they don't have to guard Vanderbilt if he's ever going to be standing on the outside. My main takeaway was really just how the second half unfolded and how Rui did a really good job defensively guarding Jokic and they let 80 roam in the paint to be a rim protector. And I do think that was really the main adjustment the Lakers found that I think could carry over to the rest of the series. Now, am I saying Rui is going to be the answer to all the problems? No, because he did have four fouls, and I'm wondering if foul trouble could be a concern, but it does seem like the Lakers at least found a lineup that they can use that could make life a bit more difficult for Denver's offense. At the end of the day, though, Denver made a bunch of shots. Jamal Murray was really good. Porter hit some threes. Kind of funny, though, how Delonte and I middled MPJ's points prop. I had the under 15 and a half. He had the over 14 and a half, and he landed 15. I find that kind of funny. Hey, well, he's, he said that. He was like, he could land at 15. It really could. Yeah. And it sure he did. Like, that was that was a that was a one of some lifetime call. Great job. <laughs> but the one thing that I am going to point out for the sake of the series, besides the fact the Lakers, I think, found something, I mentioned before the series, which is why I was leaning to the Lakers to actually win it. Denver's bench is still so <laughs> it's underwhelming. Bruce Brown. It's Besides Bruce, Bruce Brown. Brown. Bruce it's Brown is just Bruce Brown. Bruce That's Brown it. is really good. I'm a big Bruce Brown guy as a Nets fan. I still think that Bruce Brown's agent should have been fired because he should have gotten paid a lot more money during the offseason. Jeff Green gives you nothing. He'll give you one decent game with seven points. That's the Jeff Green special. He'll have one big dunk in the middle of game three. That's it. He really doesn't do anything. And Christian Brown is a high energy, allegedly a Swiss no, Army knife he type. Even, he doesn't even do like, that. Christian Brown is just out there getting cardio, man. I think he's he a worse version of Dante DiVincenzo, but I think Bruce Brown is definitely the best bench player in the series. The problem is Denver has six guys. The Lakers have arguably eight or nine. Like That's the problem that I have, and I do think that could be an issue for Denver throughout the series, whether it's foul trouble or whether it involves just fatigue because Jokic had to play 42 minutes and the game still became in the balance late. So the bench is still a problem. I do think the Lakers found something. But overall, did anything really shock me in game one? Not really. We learned that AD cannot guard Jokic in one-on-one coverage. Yeah, I'm not totally shocked by that. If you watch the regular season numbers, you knew that already. But I do think that's one takeaway. Besides that, though, I thought Denver would cover. I thought they'd win easily. They were going to for about two-thirds of the game, and then the Lakers almost came back from 21 down. But did I learn anything? Not really. I thought the Lakers would kill the Nuggets in pick and roll. They did. 
Murray had five fouls, and he really became a traffic cone after that. I didn't learn anything. Did you? Like, I just felt like the Lakers' depth was going to be the story of the series, and it was the story late in the second half. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that was the, like you just look at the six players. First of all, bench points. 19 bench points for Denver. Bruce Brown had 16 of them. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's like I'm not feeding into – they were 15 for 32 from three. Like I'm not feeding – I'm just not feeding into the – this level. Like that was an amazing offensive explosion. <laughs> like I just want everybody to understand how good that offense that we just saw last night was. Like it was so good that it makes the Lakers, it makes the Lakers look like they didn't have a good game too. (laughs) But the Lakers finished 54.8%, 45.8% from three. Like they had a great game as well. It was just, I I can only fade these offenses going forth. This might be the best offensive game we have. Well, both of them shot basically. They can't let that happen again. They were separated by 0.1% from the floor. Denver shot four, uh, 54.9%. The Lakers shot 54.8%. And both teams from three, Denver shot 46.9%. The Lakers shot 458 Now, I know the Lakers aren't a great three-point shooting team, so you can argue that Denver's three-point efficiency is more sustainable. But I have to at least point out, it does seem like the Lakers – found something on both ends in the second half. And I do think that's going to translate well to future games, but it doesn't change what I said before the series started, which was I expected a war. I personally leaned to the Lakers in six. The lowest odds was Denver in seven. So I'm mm-hmm. not totally shocked that Denver won game one. I picked them to win And we game picked one. them. Yeah, we both picked them to win so game one. So. I'm not surprised about how that unfolded. I am a bit surprised, though, about how close the game became. And I will give Darvin Ham and the Lakers props because I really thought they were going to roll over. I thought they were going to roll over and bench everybody in the fourth quarter. No. And they didn't and, do it. But they haven't. The thing is, like, outside of – just straight up games that they clearly do not need, like, you know, game two in both series, they really haven't rolled over in any of these games. Like, no. even if they were getting blown out in the first half, they have battled back in the second half and tried to make it look like something. There's really only two games I can really, really think about where I say, wow, they just did not give any effort at all. So this Lakers team isn't going to go down easy. But Denver, I'm telling you, if you shoot perfect like that, all right, you may make me a believer, but let's see. Fool me twice. All right, before we get into the game that's actually being played tonight, I'm going to uh, talk to you about Shady Rays and Shady May because we're teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May where you can get 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses, but you can also have a chance to win $500, and that is by entering our contest where you have the – Take your receipt over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady, and you can enter that receipt and have a chance to win $500 for the month of May. Our listeners, international listeners, you can also get your Shady Rays as well because they ship to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. Amazing return policy. You lose or break your pair. Even on the first day, they will send you a new pair, no questions asked. Tap into Shady Rays, shadyrays.com, code SGPN for fit plus for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Take that same receipt over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. All 
All right. By the way, uh, heavy money already poured in on Denver for that game last night. The line already dropped a point. I'm just going to go ahead and say that there. Uh, but tonight, Miami Heat are on the road to play the Boston Celtics in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Line opened up at seven and a half. Line is now sitting at minus eight. Two eleven is the total. Let's see here. It was originally two twelve and a half, right? I, I actually don't remember. I know it was definitely a two twelve. I'm trying to think if there was a half point there, but I do believe a decent amount of money is coming on the under. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. So. Injury report for these two teams, and we have for the Miami Heat, Cody Zeller is questionable with an illness. Tyler Hero is still out with that broken hand. Don't expect to see him for this series. And for the Boston Celtics, clean injury report. Nothing to report there. So, I'll tell you, Miami is a fan favorite tonight. Uh, they're is the thought that Miami had an extra mm, day of rest, two days of rest, maybe something like that, because Boston did end up going to a game seven. Miami finished in six. <sighs> we we covered this game on the Mothership show a couple of days ago, and you took a stance that kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I just don't. Um, I don't want to play the side in this one. I don't really feel like. It would not surprise me in the slightest if Boston was extremely locked in for this game today. It's it's just the fact that they've had, like, what what was that, Sunday? This is, we're at Wednesday now. They've had since Sunday to get over this Game 7. And I think that this is a spot where they realize that they played with their food that last season, that last series. And while I'm not trusting them at all, whatever, with my money, but I wouldn't be surprised if they say, all right, we BS around too much that last series. Let's lock in for game one. Like we just, we lost game one at home the last time around. And that really, really set us behind. We had to, we felt like we were playing from behind basically the entire series. Game five didn't show up. Like I think those game one horrors, Kind of forced them to lock in tonight, but I, guess I the, also wouldn't be surprised if everybody if everybody assumes that, and then you know, well, it doesn't look like everybody assumes that because everybody's betting Miami, but that that's where I'm at. I'm like, hmm, what if Game Two is the game this time around, where the Celtics just show up for Game One and Game Two when they're up one zero is the game where they're like. Cause I could, I could see it. I could see them blowing them out tonight, and everybody's like, "Oh, Boston's gonna kill them game two. This is gonna be a sweep." They were saying it last night about Denver in the first half. This is gonna be a sweep. This is gonna be over. We're not gonna be worried about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Boston goes and lays an egg in game two. So I think, I think the I one counter. I was gonna say the counterpoint I would make was that they played with their food against Atlanta. Dejounte didn't play in game five, and they lost game five at home. And then they came out in game one against Philly. And you could think, well, you know, they shouldn't play with their food. You know, Embiid's out. 
and they still lost game one at home. So I'm I'm tired of trying to expect so, the Celtics. But that's what I'm saying. Game. So because so because nobody made like I mean Cody Zeller is are they gonna play with their food because Cody Zeller might be out? Like I mean, there's nobody out in this game, so they might oddly be locked in. Like I, I don't know. It, they're they're a weird team to try to figure out. They're very, very weird to figure out. I do think that I mentioned this on the Mothership show, but I'll repeat it if you didn't hear it. The matchup last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, I was all over Miami in game one. And it wasn't because Miami was the home team. It was because of the awful spot for Boston. They had a game seven, had one day off, and then game one. It was a brutal scheduling spot. This year, not so much because they played game seven on Sunday. Now they've been off since then. So they had two days off uh, and they're playing at home. So it's not the same spot at all. So I'm not going to use the same logic I used for last year. Rest advantage should really not be a thing. Miami had one extra day. I don't think it really matters because you have a couple of days off in between. The only concern I have, once again, is that Boston just seems to really, really play down to its competition. And Miami is the much better coach. Now, on paper, Boston is clearly the better team. It's not even close. Boston, if they tried in every game in the series, would probably win in five. The problem is you could have said the same exact thing about the first two rounds in the series, and it went long because this team cannot give you consistent effort over a seven-game series, and you never know when they're going to mentally check out in the middle of games. If they go up double digits, they will zone out for 10 minutes. The other team will come back. And suddenly it's a two-point game with three minutes to go. And if that's the case, I'll take Jimmy Butler. But I think for the sake of this game one, you might be right. Boston, if they come out fully focused, I do think they can easily win this game by, by a lot of points. But I don't think they're going to. I'm going to lean to Miami. I think it's correlated. Miami, I think they're going to try to make this game very ugly because they need to. I don't expect many transition opportunities. Miami tried to run against Milwaukee. I don't see them trying to run against Boston. I think Boston's better at it personally. So I can really see this becoming a Heat-Knicks type of pace, which is painful to watch, where both teams are in the half court, a lot of long possessions. You have Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry flopping for charges the entire game. I'm going to lean to the points. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring and ugly game I'm not picking Miami to win this game, but I think they hang around. I think Boston wins by five. Uh, yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm not. I'm not laying any type of points, so I'm going Miami. You don't got to ask me nothing. I'm not laying anything with Boston, but I'm not willing to play this spread. I, I want to see. I want to see this game, and I kind of want to. I want to see how this goes, and because I can very well see. Boston winning this game and somewhat being in the driver's seat. And then that just invokes like I it's because Missoula doesn't have an adjustment to make now. Like he just just tell the guys to go play. And on talent alone, they win this game. And then now Eric Spolster gets those adjustments and the rest of the series is a dogfight because this is because Missoula has no answer for anything that Spolster is going to throw at him. So uh I, I, Missoula, you may win the battle today. You might win the battle today, but you, we'll see if you win the war. All right, totals at two eleven. I am. Um... I was originally <sighs> on the over, 
uh, when we initially talked about the game. But I find the line movement towards the under fascinating. Am I leaning under now? Like I'm, I'm really trying to think of how Miami's going to try to play this game. We saw game one, which tends to be relatively high scoring because you're trying to feel each other out defensively. You've prepared specific offensive sets to battle these defenses, and they tend to perform well. But I really do think Miami's going to have to make this game ugly. Do you agree with that? Like, I don't think Miami's going to try to get out and run with Boston. Um, do you? Like, I, I don't know if they can. I don't know, man. Transition threes are their three or their thing, man. Especially when it's just like I don't know. I, I think the shooting's gonna come down for them a little more. I, I'm gonna go under. I think I'm gonna lean under. I'm gonna trust the line movement on this one. I don't feel great about it. Honestly, this game itself is very tricky, especially for game ones when you have the Celtics as a massive favorite. Because they're the worst team that you could possibly ask for to be a big favorite when it comes to trying to predict the overall game flow. Because it makes sense. They're clearly the more talented team. The issue is constant effort, and they don't give you it. So I guess on principle, I'll take the Miami Heat, who never roll over against anybody and constantly just get up and keep swinging. I feel like I kind of have to lean to Miami plus the points. And maybe because that's the case, I'll lean to the under because I'll hope they'll make the game a lot uglier, but it really comes to, I think it's somewhat correlated to me. Like, I think if Boston is going to end up covering, I think they probably score 110, 115 points. Like, I I think I'm going to lean to the under here, and I'm going to lean to Miami, because I do think this could be a game where Miami purposefully makes it a slugfest, where it's going to be slow, methodical, Make sure you run your sets properly. Don't commit many mistakes. And Miami's going to try to wear you down. I think I'm going to lean to the under. I don't feel great about it, but I think that's where I'm going. All right. Props. And here's the million-dollar question. Because we all know 1A, 1B. You have the Wonder Twins of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on one side. It feels like Jimmy Butler is walking into a handicap match. Boston has a history over the past, um, I want to say four seasons. Could be a little bit longer, honestly, but I want to say past three or four seasons of giving up a lot to the center position. However, Bam was absolutely brutal last year. He couldn't hit a floater. They were just daring him to shoot the entire season. Yeah. So without Tyler Hero and – Pretty similar to last year as well, because I don't think they had Tyler Hero for about half of that series. Last year, they also had Victor Oladipo, who stepped up a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's not here. Who is going to be any type of other option for Jimmy Butler, or is it just going to be a committee again like the you know what we've seen for a majority of their playoff run? It's it's really a good question. I mean, Vincent's been a lost cause. He had a great start to the postseason, but he's been especially bad after game two against the Knicks, I think was the last good game he actually had. Robinson, I don't think he's going to play in the series because he can't guard anybody. Like, you can get away with it against the Knicks because the Knicks run a very stagnant offense, and we know Thibodeau's not exactly the greatest offensive creator 
in terms of game planning. So you could hide Robinson on the court against the Knicks. You can't do that against Boston. Like, I'm not sure Robinson has any role in the series because, once again, he's an abysmal defensive player, and I think this series is going to be a physical war. Do you think Robinson's going to play a lot? Because I really think it's a bad matchup for him. Just I mean, it's no, where it's, play. they don't even have, like, Boston doesn't even have, like, a spot-up three-point shooter that you can just kind of stick him on. And no, they're, they're going to attack him like, every time. Like, Derek White can get to the lane. Malcolm Brogdon, you know he can score all type of ways. Like, they really don't have anybody. Anybody else is a big that he would never be on. So, Duncan Robinson under five and a half points actually feels kind of good because, I mean, what, does he get, like, ten minutes in this game? He might because it's game one, but I mean, Boston's going to keep an eye on him the entire time anyway, but I, I do think it's pretty interesting that Robinson had that good of a series against the Knicks, and he was solid for the last couple of games, and yet his props at five and a half with juice to the under. Yeah, It seems but, like they're really just daring you to take Duncan Robinson over. Yeah, I'm not I sure just, he can play. Yeah, I, I, I would go his under if you felt like you wanted to bet Duncan Robinson. Today. Um. I mean, to, to answer your question, though, I think it's a massive Struce series because we basically eliminated all the other three point shooters, right? I think Struce has to play a lot of minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm kind of. I mean, Kev, I feel like Kevin Love is intriguing. Well, I was talking about the guard stri- position, but yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just looking at Kevin Love and I'm talking about, I think he's intriguing because he can really stretch the floor and pull a lot of those bodies out of the paint. And if they don't respect that, he's going to kill them from three. Uh, I don't know who, who I think, I think this series is going to be, and that's probably where the losses for Miami kind of pile in, in this series is because they don't get somebody to step up and be that two, that three uh, option for Jim Butler in this series. Jim Butler's points prop is at 27 and a half juice to the over. The Knicks series was brutal, but he's been pretty brutal against the Knicks. Well, not brutal in terms of bad play, but brutal in terms of he he wasn't hitting that points prop. I don't think he. I think he. I don't think he hit it at all that series. Actually, I think he went under never again. And it wasn't like bad, bad because he was getting a lot of assists, but it did seem like he was a bit more passive than in previous mm-hmm. series. So. I like Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is scorer. I really think that's the only offensive option that I feel really good about trusting until I kind of watch the series a little bit. But I think Jimmy Butler is going to get his. I think this is going to be the that similar to that Milwaukee Bucks series where they try everything they can to stop him. They just can't. I, I do feel like since we were briefly talking about Miami's backcourt, just to kind of flush it out a bit more, Lowry's going to play obviously, because he gives them defensive integrity. He's a veteran leader. They're going to use him anyway. And he's off a couple of days of rest. So I think Lowry could have a good game here tonight. It's going to be Struess. Vincent's going to get some minutes. I'm not sure how well he's going to play. Uh, But you're also going to probably see a lot of Caleb Martin who can give them some length, both offensively and defensively. Mm -hmm. I pulled up Duncan Robinson's stats against the Celtics, by the way. It is pretty funny. Uh, so starting with 2022, he didn't play a single game against the Celtics in 2023 because they had a lot of games earlier this year. To go through the point totals, three, zero, five, and six. The six was January of was January 31st, 2022. 
He played 27 minutes and Who he only scored six points. That's Duncan Robinson. He scored five, <laughs> he scored five points or less in each of the last three meetings, and he's played less than 16 minutes in each of the last three meetings. So I don't think he's going to play at all. Does Duncan um, Robinson have a better agent than Harrison Barnes? Why? Because he got $70 million because of a bubble. Was it 70? I thought it was 90. Was it 90? I it thought it, was been, it might have been 90. Hang on a second. I, right. I, I feel like he's, I don't know why 90. It might be right. Head, it might be 90. I feel like it's 90. It was 90. It was five years, $90 million. <laughs> so you're right. It's amazing. Okay. okay 80 so. million guaranteed. So we'll meet in the middle. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that Robinson is going to play that much. So my supporting cast options for Miami are going to be Struess. It's going to be. Does I mean, Struess kill Boston? Struess has Struce been like good Boston against Boston killer? historically, but it's mostly just based on trust. Because Miami really leaned into him in that Knicks series, and he came through more often than not. I can see Struess having a pretty good series. Vincent might get minutes anyway because he can still be a microwave off the bench. And I think Martin's definitely a, a solid role player. I think Robinson's the odd man out. But if you want to go through Robinson's numbers in that Knicks series, he played really well. So the fact that this number is five and a half looks like an ultimate trap line here. But I'm going to read off the Robinson numbers against the Knicks. Uh, in that series, he actually didn't even play as well as you might think he did because he had 17 points in one game. The other games in that series, 6, 17, 3, 4, 9, and 0. So even with the one outlier game where he played very well, he really didn't do much the rest of the series. Uh-huh. And Boston can exploit him on pretty much every single defensive matchup that they possibly want. Robinson might play like five, 10 minutes in this game. So yes, two threes, you lose. And it would suck if you lose on two threes. But based on the limited playing time, if I told you he came out with a Vanderbilt stat line tonight, Mm -hmm. played 10 minutes, had three fouls, one rebound and one assist, would you be really shocked? No, because Boston's owned him historically and Spolstra knows he can't steal minutes with Duncan Robinson in the series. I'm on the under for Robinson. All right, so back over to yeah, I'm on under for Robinson too. <laughs> like you got to fade Robinson. I'm hoping back. it's six and a half. If I can find a six and a half, I'll slam it. But five and a half, I'll still lean under. But then again, two threes, you still lose. But I definitely have to. At I least. think he finishes one three. Like he finishes like one for one. I think he goes three. one for three. Ten minutes. Yeah, and he calls one for that. three, and that's it. Like I, I think we get that off of one three. All right, so back over to Max Drews though. This season versus, is that this season or is that? So this season versus Boston, he has uh, 2, 23, 4, 13 on 0, 5, 1, 3, 3. So up and down, 2 and 2 good games, bad games in terms of cashing his threes prop and his points prop. Uh, last season in the playoffs had three games of over three plus threes in that series. Two of them had two plus threes and then a couple of duds in there as well. Yeah, um, you want to mention the Knicks stats, by the way, just to go based on recent form. Struess has had at least 14 points in each of the last five games. Yeah, so he's coming into this hot. Uh, he There is a little bit of history there. I think he originally was undrafted to the Boston and then ended up finding his way to Miami. So, but... It, it kind of feels like he's been con- the most consistent thing for them and the most other person, like that other role player that constantly 
has very good production. And I think this is a little different than last year because last year he was strictly coming off the bench for the most of that time. I mean, he might've had a spot start here or there, but he was main majority coming off the bench. Now he's been the guy for a long time for them in that starting uh, two guard spot. So and he gives kind of like Max Drews too. He's 6'5", 215. When you're against Jalen Brown and Tatum, you need somebody with at least some you know, meat on the bones. I, I think that he can actually stay in front of either of them or at least match them physically compared to the other supporting cast members on Miami's wings. So I think Strews has to play 30-plus minutes. So agree on that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Strews has to play. So here's the last thing I want to talk about before we get into lock and dog in the prop section. Boston these playoffs have turned the ball over so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's like a four, a plus four differential in the number of turnovers that they had from the end of the season through the playoffs. Like they've gotten sustain, like so much worse in terms of taking care of the basketball. Of course, Jimmy Butler is the one that everybody's going to think of one and a half steals minus 105 he's hit that in almost every single game in the playoffs strews over half a steals plus 110 kevin love is two to one uh kyle lowry has a lot of juice on it minus 180 uh, we've seen Caleb Martin, get very sloppy with the basketball at times like yeah bam's minus 185 i probably would look for like a steal a steals and block combination with bam but it just feels like there's a market for the defensive stats for everybody else outside of Jimmy Butler because Boston is going to cough the ball up as they've done majority of these playoffs. I think officially I want to hang my my horse on oh uh, if I does it count if I bet steals and blocks from Bam? I mean does that count? that doesn't involve offense, so I'll I'll let it slide. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of uh, uh, he's going to he's going to blow me if he doesn't get that because one and a half steals and blocks for Bam feels really, really good. That does feel like a solid minus option. 125. OK, like that feels that feels very like I just they're going to turn the ball over and Bam's really, really active with his hands. All right. So I'm going to do it. If he doesn't get it, I promise you, you'll never hear Bam out of bio come out of my mouth again. All right. Just to look at the Duncan Robinson numbers quickly for the last year's series. He was a healthy scratch for game one and game seven. He played less than six minutes in two of the five games he actually played in. You're still talking about Duncan Robinson. I have to because <laughs> once again it's five and a half. Like I'm, I'm gonna have to deep dive into this. But he did have double digit points in two of the uh, scuba dive. Coincidentally, the two games that he actually had double digits in, the team lost by double digits, so it might have been garbage time. But still, he did technically have double digit points in two of those games. I want to pull up Bam steals and blocks numbers, though, for last year's series, because Boston, for the most part, has the same roster. I know they have Brogdon now, but it's still the main core. So I do want to quickly pull that up. I'm assuming his blocks and steals numbers were fine because mm -hmm. I know Adebayo wasn't getting any offensive fouls last year because he was afraid to shoot the basketball. But uh, while you're just, pulling that up, let me just give the rest of my steals. Okay. Props. So they about to buy all steals and blocks minus one and a half. I mean, over one and a half minus 125. I'm going Struess as well, plus 110 for over half. I think that he'll be 
he'll more than likely find himself on Jalen Brown a number of times. And I think that you can always come up with steal if you hang around Jalen Brown for too too much. So Struess is the other one over a half plus 110. Now what you got? Okay. So the steals and blocks were actually not that great for Bam last year. Uh, he had four blocks and zero steals in game one. So he actually did well in game one last year. Game two had zero in both. Game three had one block and four steals and then went under in each of the last four games. Uh, bam. You know what? It's nowhere else but up, right? And we look at this season. Bam has done pretty well against them this season. He's cashed this prop in all five. No, all three, four. Yeah, all four matchups this season. He's cashed his prop two steals in the first two matchups, one steal, one block in the third matchup, two steals, one block in, in the last matchup. So, uh, however, all of those were prior to the trade deadline. So give me. Yeah. Mm. All right, Bam. I'm going to trust you. If you screw me over, I'm just never going to ever bet anything Bam out of bio again. But as of right now, I like Bam for the defensive props. Anything else before we get to lock and dog? Uh, no. I think we covered everything. All right, people. So everybody's favorite segment, lock and dog time. Let's see what we're doing here on this slate for my lock. Let me go to. Um, I'm curious. We're going to go with this one. Because like defensively. They really let a lot slide in that Philly series for a good portion of that series. It did. When they wanted to, they buckled down, but they didn't want to enough. That was the problem. I know. I really, really wanted to go somewhere else, man. But I think think it's like a high. Like, scoring 30 points is like a high for Jimmy Butler. And he's going through withdrawals. He, The Knicks held him down. He feels like a brand-new series, brand-new him. If anybody shows up, it's going to be Jimmy Butler. Give me Jimmy Butler over 27.5 minus 125. And for my dog... possibilities are endless they are they very much are um let's see here it's probably does tatum give another really good performance or is this the jalen brown game i'm not sure if brown's gonna get enough shot attempts because it seems like missoula is willing to live and die by tatum all the time doesn't it and feel I that think, way? But I feel like that's a buy low. I feel like that's a very buy low spot on Jalen. Honestly, Jalen Brown has proved himself to be so good that he doesn't need a lot of shot attempts to yeah, get to his number. Mm-hmm. Like, he's been that good. You know what? Let's go ahead and let's put a Celtic on the card. I'm fine with that. We'll put a Celtic on the card. Jalen Brown for 30 plus 210. That is my play. Okay. Uh, so for my lock, I was tempted by maybe taking Butler steals at one and a half, but I'm not sure if I'm actually going to be able to go to the window with that one. You've mentioned your distrust of Bam. I'm going to potentially lock that in. I'm going to take Bam under 18 and a half points at minus 128. I think Boston has the personnel to match up quite well against Bam. We saw last year Bam was very up and down. But whether it involves Al Horford, whether it involves Robert Williams, Boston can give Bam a lot of different looks defensively. And the Knicks really 
just let Bam do whatever he wanted that entire series without any resistance at all. And I am wondering if there's a little bit of a... Are you really about to do this? What? I'm taking Bam under points. Oh, okay. I'll take it under 18 and a half points. Oh. Uh, but the point is, the Knicks let him do whatever he wanted. And Robinson was so worried about pain protection that he was kind of letting Bam roam a little bit in his comfort zone and pick and rolls. I, th- I thought Bam just had a good series because the Knicks didn't really match up well or make many adjustments for him. Boston has given him nightmares time and time again. And I'll live if I'm going to live and die by Bam hitting some jump shots. But the fact that Robert Williams can really out physical him. And the fact that Horford can be very aggressive with taking up space and also being active with his hands, I'm going to dare Bam to beat me here. I think <laughs> Bowler could have a massive game. You said Bowler might be due for a 30-piece. Maybe you're right. But the total's 211, so mm-hmm. I'm going to look for unders on some players. Give me mm-hmm. Bam under 18.5 points at around minus, uh, what was it, minus 128. That's going to be my lock. And for my dog, you know what? You mentioned Jimmy Butler. I'm feeling Jimmy Butler, too. Give me Jimmy Butler to lead the game in points at wow. plus 190. Give me plus 190 on that. Oh, I didn't know that's where you was going with that. Okay. It's going to be a rock fight, potentially at 211. Yeah. So plus 190, yeah, I mean, I'll take that. I mean, he doesn't have anybody else to help him. He might have to do it himself. And, you know, yeah. All right. <sighs> Great call. Great call. I like the picks. Very, very diverse picks on the show. Where did you day. think I was going with that, by the way? Because I mentioned Bam no, because you were nervous. no, because you because how I was talking, it seemed like you were going to back him and not fade him. Now, so. my point is that I think his numbers are inflated because of how poorly the Knicks defended him. That was kind of my point. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else for people before we get up out of here? Not really. Uh, looking forward to the game tonight. I think we'll see how our bets go. Might have a fun, uh, I might throw Robinson into a parlay at the under five and a half for the jokes. But besides that, uh, looking forward to the rest of the overall NBA playoffs. I know that we also have a podcast later tonight, which I know will be live streamed from now on, which is the WNBA show. We'll be going through win totals, I believe, right? Yes, we are. We'll talk about team previews, win total, stuff like that. Going to be a fun time diving back into the dummy NBA. So everybody listening to the NBA, it's not it's not over. We're we're still going to be here. Come on over to the WNBA Gambling Podcast. Let's get those let's get those numbers up, those discourse going, and let let's cash some uh, tickets with the women because we had a really really good start to the season last year. Other than that, make sure you follow SGP and NBA on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. Like, like the video. Everybody here, like the video, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. Other than that, I really don't have anything else to say. Nothing else to do. No other way of ending the podcast. We're just going to end it like this. So we are out of here. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm going to go get it.